So what we're going to talk about tonight is what makes you so valuable to God. What makes you so valuable to God? And I pray in the next few moments I'll be able to answer that with such confidence from God's Word that you will leave here with a totally different understanding and a perspective of your value to God. What makes you so valuable to God? Um, there was a man who loved old books, and in loving old books, uh, he, when he would meet up with his friends and all, he's always talking about the latest find that he had uh, discovered in some antique bookstore or some yard sale, and he was just always talking about books. So he got up with one of his old acquaintances from school, and he was telling him uh, about some, the books that he just uh, found and how uh, valuable they were. And this guy said, well, you know, I had an old, old book, and it was actually an old Bible that was passed down for generations and generations. It was tattered. It really wasn't worth much. So uh, I, I threw it out. He said, he asked him, well, how old do you think it was? He said, I, I really don't know. It was written in German and there was something about Gutenberg on it. And I, I, I don't know all the details of that. And the book, the book lover said, you know, Gutenberg in 1450 invented the movable type print. And uh, that Bible was one, among some of the first ones that was ever printed in the world. A Gutenberg Bible recently went for several millions of dollars at an auction. And the guy was not impressed. And he said, well, mine probably wasn't worth that much because someone named Martin Luther had scribble, scribbled all over it in German. Wow. Can you imagine how valuable that would have been? See, oftentimes we don't realize how valuable something is and we just throw it out. And for this man, it was too late. He'd already thrown out that which was invaluable and probably could never find it again. But I've got some good news for us here this evening that you have something more valuable than this Gutenberg Bible that Martin Luther had scribbled on. And I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you that you don't throw it out, that you will recognize its value and not throw it out. So don't throw your life out. Don't throw your future out. Don't throw your hope in yourself out. The enemy wants you to. He wants you to discard your belief in yourself. He wants you to discard that. But don't throw it out. Don't throw out your trust in God, your faith in God, or anything of your life relating to God because this life that God has given to you is the most valuable thing you will ever, ever possess. And the enemy is trying to lie to you and make you think it has less value than, he, than it really does. Now, the words of Jesus have been scribbled all over our heart. And let me tell you what, those writings are much, much more valuable than anything Martin Luther would have ever written in German or any other language. The words of Jesus Christ have been written all over our lives, and I'm going to show you that tonight. Just like Martin Luther wrote over this, all over this Bible, Jesus' marks are all over you. They've been scribed on you, and you have value, you have worth that there's not enough money in the world that could pay the price of your value. You have more value than, than any money, than any diamonds, than any emeralds, than anything. And the enemy has such a scheme and plan to make us uh, not believe that, that we live our lives as though we have very, very little value. 
You remember when Jesus uh, was asked to pay taxes and said, is it right to pay taxes? What a day to talk about that, uh, even though we've had an extension till tomorrow, I believe it was, because of computer problems there. But uh, they asked Jesus, is it right to pay taxes? And he said, give me a coin. And I'm not sure it was a coin that looked at like this coin that's on the screen here, but it was something like that that had Caesar's uh, portrait on it. And he said, whose image is on the coin? And they said, Caesar's. And then he said, render under Caesar what is Caesar's. Whose image is on it, you render the, unto him whose image is impressed there. Well, let me tell you what. Whose image is on your heart? Whose image is on your heart? God has placed His image. He has created us with the stamping of His image. He said we've been created in the image of God. He has marked you. You need to know that. He has His signature on you. You are His work. He said He is the potter and we are the clay. He has molded you. He has fashioned you. He has gifted you. He has talented you. He has anointed you. He has given you the personality that you have. He has given you His love and His power and His Spirit has been marked upon you as His creation. And the Bible says we are the apple of His eye. One scripture says that He so loves us that He's inscribed us in the palm of His hand. That every time He opens His hands, He sees you. And the Bible says in another place that He dances over you. When He, he thinks about you, He just celebrates and dances over you. You are the apple of His eye, His masterpiece. He doesn't see you in the condition that you are right now. He sees what you're going to be because He knows that He's doing a good work in you. He who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. He is faithful at work in you right now. You think you're a finished project, you need to look at somebody and say, He's not done working with me yet. There is still more beauty and still more jewel that He's bringing out of my life. Just like Michelangelo when he had that block of marble, and most people, when they saw it, they just saw a block of stone. And he was asked one day, you know, how is it that you are uh, taking and imposing on this stone this, this beautiful sculpture? And he says, I'm not imposing anything on this stone. I'm releasing the sculpture that is within the stone. I'm just chiseling away and letting shine forth what is already there. And that statue of David he did came out and is still today celebrated as one of the masterpieces of sculpture in the world. Let me tell you what, that's how God is working on you. You may still have some rough edges. Look at somebody and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> you know, we may still have some rough edges, but God is at work. And as long as we'll let him work in and through our lives, he is knocking those rough edges off and he is letting the masterpiece of who we are come forth. An American tourist went uh, to France and and uh, he purchased what he considered just a cheap amber necklace in a trinket shop for a few dollars. And when he got back to the States in New York and he was going through uh, coming back in, he had to pay this high duty uh, to clear customs in order to, to uh, bring it uh, home with him. And he was curious, why did he have to pay such high duty for this when he paid such so little for it in France? So he went and had it appraised. And after looking at it under a magnifying glass, the jeweler told him, said, I'll give you $25,000 for it. He said, really? I only paid a few dollars for this. I thought it was just a little piece of junk. You're going to give me $25,000? 
He said, yeah, I'll give you 25000 This made him more curious, curious than ever. So he goes to another jewelry shop, to another appraiser, and has that, him appraise it. And that appraiser said, I'll give you $35,000 for it right now. And he asked the jeweler, what in the world do you see so valuable about this old, cheap necklace that I bought? He said, here, look through the glass. Look through this glass. So, so he took and he looked through the jeweler's glass. And as he looked under the magnifying glass, there was this inscription from Napoleon Bonaparte to Josephine. Wow. wow. And can you imagine? So the value of the necklace was not in the stone. It was not in the chain. It was not in the, the, the gold or the silver that was used. It was, it was the value was because of the inscription that was on it. Wow. Now you think about the inscription that is on us. If you look through the magnifying glass and you'll see the inscription on your heart and my heart from God with love. Made in my image. Come on now. God is saying, I created you just like me. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're mine. And I inscribe. I put my signature to it. Sometimes I watch that, uh, the, what is it, the uh, road show? The antique road show. And many times they'll go in there with something that looks so valuable, a painting, and they'll look at the inscription on it and they'll say, well, this was a masterpiece or master artist wannabe. Uh, they never really uh, got any fame and they were kind of just a copycat. It's probably worth about $50 to $100. They said, well, I paid more than that for it. They said, well, the frame's probably more valuable than the painting itself. Then there's sometimes they'll take something in there and the painting and it'll look faded and it'll look chipped and it'll look like really kind of ugly. And it almost like maybe a kindergartner or a couple of kindergartners got in a fight. And uh, at the art, in the art room, and they look at the image on it, and they'll say, this is worth $50,000 because of who signed it. <laughs> you go, wow, because of who signed it. Guess who signed off on you? That God created you in His image, and He says He has he etched in each and every one of us His signature, saying that this son, this daughter is mine. Praise God. See, the world may consider you cheap, and the world may consider you insignificant, but that's not God. And I'm here to counter what the world is saying to you. I'm here to counter what the enemy has been lying to you. And I'm here to tell you that God loves you and that you are so valuable to Him. Your value has skyrocketed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Your value has skyrocketed because of the price that He has paid for you. You are that valuable. So here let us look at several points of what makes you so valuable to God. And the first one we want to talk about is we've already mentioned your made in God's image. I want to back that up with the Word of God so it's not just words you hear, but it is from God Himself. God tells us in Psalm 8, verses 4 and 5, He says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you, God, you, you have made him... Now, here it says a little lower than angels. If you've got a King James or New King James or maybe even NIV will translate it, that you're a little lower than angels. That's, that, is, that is bad theology right there. That was a bad translation. And you can look it up in the original Hebrew yourself and you will see Elohim is the word there. And Elohim is God. It is the plural form of God. There we see the Trinity of God. 
the same one we see when God created the heavens and the earth. It says God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And the verb created is singular. So there you see the Trinity working in unity of one, where he says Elohim created God, uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit created singularly the heavens and the earth, and He formed and fashioned us and breathed into us the breath, His breath, and gave us life. So here's what He's referencing here. I encourage you to get a Hebrew Bible. You can Google it and get you a blue Bible or anything like that. You can check me up on this. You are not created a little lower than angels, meaning angels are above us. That's where people get this mindset that God needed another angel in heaven and we die as saints of God and graduate to angels. That, that would be a demotion. That would be a demotion. Come on now. Angel, we sing a song, Angels Can't Sing, Amazing Grace. They don't know what it is to be saved by grace. They were created and they had a choice. A third of them chose to follow Lucifer and two-thirds chose to continue to follow God and be ministering agents of God. But you and I were created in God's image. And that is what he says right here. We were created, we, made, we were made a little lower than Elohim, and you have crowned him, man, us, with glory and honor. So God has crowned us with glory and honor. Please, please get this theo theological thing correctly. Don't say when somebody dies, God needed another angel. He didn't need another angel. That was a son or a daughter of God. Don't lower who they were and don't speak against God's creative order. Praise God. So the Bible says that the angel's job is to carry out the word of God. He has given them assignment. Angels are standing, you could say, in an unemployment line waiting for someone to hire them by giving charge of the Word of God. See, see, when you speak God's Word, you are employing angels and putting them to work in the spiritual realm. And believe you me, there's more going on in the spirit realm than there is in the physical realm. If the, if the curtains could be pulled back and you could see literally what's going on in the spirit realm, it would give you a lot more understanding of why what is happening in the physical realm, but there's more activity there than what you can see. And that's why we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. That the weapons of our warfare are not carnal to, uh, to fight man, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and bring into the obedience to Jesus Christ everything that aligns itself outside of the will of God. So when you speak the word of God, you're employing angels to uh, go to work in the spirit realm. They're waiting for you to speak God's word. That's why you got to learn God's word. That's why you got to understand God's word so you can speak God's word with confidence. That's why the fowl of the air is trying to steal the seed that the farmer is sowing. Jesus said that seed is the word. Word. The devil wants to steal the word from you. He'd rather you complain and whine and just say, I wish things would get better. But when you start speaking the word and you start saying, I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I will be blessed coming in and blessed going out. You're speaking the word out of Deuteronomy 28. What the angels say, well, he's speaking the word. We're created to, to take and work the word. So in the spirit realm, we got to pave a way. So they are blessed coming in and going out. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed when they're standing and blessed when they're seated, and everything they put their hand to is blessed. See, you got supernatural assistance in the spirit realm through these angels who are beneath us, beneath us, if you wanted to look at it that way, because we're created in the image of God. 
So this Psalms 8 and 5, that translation error there has really zapped a lot of authority out of Christians and believers, and, uh, and, and it needs not, that needs to be corrected. And again, I tell you, I challenge you, go and check it out for yourself, and you'll see what I'm saying is true. That's what the Bible tells us in Psalms 103, verse 20. says, Bless the Lord, you His angels who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. So that's what angels do. They, they heed the voice of the word of God. So you've got to speak the word of God. So what makes you so valuable to God? Well, let's look here in Psalms 8 again. What is it that, that man, that you are mindful of him? Then the son of man, that you, God, visit him? For you, God, have made him, man, a little lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion. This is God, his order. He has made us, you and me, to have dominion over the works of God's hand. Do you see that? God has given you and me dominion over His works, the works of His hand. You, God, have put all things under man's feet. And we're talking about mankind here. So every time I, I read that, I have to stomp my feet to remind myself and tell my body, the devil is under my feet. All things are under my feet. The devil's not telling me where to go. I'm showing the devil where I'm going. I'm not going to live my life running from the devil. I'm going to live my life stomping on the devil and running for the Lord. Hallelujah. Because all things are under my feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. They're all under our dominion. God has given us dominion over His creation. And because we don't believe that, we don't operate in that authority. That's why we let the devil steamroll over us, bring every little German disease and sickness and loss and uh, theft and everything. He just gets by with everything because we think the devil's in charge. But God said, I didn't put the devil in charge. I put you in charge. And you've got to believe that. You've got to realize your value. You've got to rise up and you've got to put the devil in his place. And I'm telling you, I want to raise up a church family that puts the devil in his place. That we don't run from the devil, the devil runs from us. When we get up in the morning, we're not saying, oh no, what's the devil going to do? No, when we get up in the morning, the devil says, oh no, what is he going to make me do today? Come on now. If we are the head and not the tail, and if we are above only and not beneath like the Word of God says, why aren't we living that way? Why aren't we operating that way? is maybe because we don't see the value that God has given and placed in us. I'm telling you, God has made us in His image. And once you begin to realize how valuable you are to God and realize how valuable we are, that God is to us, then I really believe our faith will go to the right level and we'll begin to operate in such a way, speaking and living and making decisions out of that position. But if you don't realize who God is and you never realize how valuable you are, our worst problem will not be the devil. Our worst problem is that we'll fail to see just how great God is. Because one of the reasons we were put here is to ascribe glory and honor and praise to our great and magnificent God. And many times we lower God because we lower the very uh, creative order of how he's put us. We put the devil bigger than God. You know, man, I've met a lot of people. They're, they're, they're scared of the devil, and they're even scared that the devil's going to take God out. Well, I'm here to tell you that's never going to happen. 
That is never going to happen. You can stand with the Lord and you'll stand. The heavens may fall, the stars, the moon, everything may fall into the sea, but the Word of God will always stand. And Jesus is the Word. Amen. And if we stand in Him, we'll be standing right when everything has fallen around us. I'm here to encourage you to realize how great God is, how powerful God is, how anointed God is, how awesome our God is. And when you realize the image of God's awesomeness, then let that image also see the reflection of it in and through your life. And all of a sudden, you'll become invincible. All of a sudden, you become powerful. You'll feel unstoppable because you feel like, if God before me, who can be against me? Oh, that's a scripture, right? That's not something we just say, right? That's the Word of God. If God before me, who can be against me? And greater is He who is in me than He who is in the world. Let's stop just parroting those words, believe those words, and live our lives out of the authority of those words. You are so valuable to God because he made you in his image and his plan is for you and me to run things here on this earth. He has given us dominion over this earth and he does not want the devil to do whatever the devil wants to do. It's time for the church to arise. Jesus said, I will build the church. I'll build my church. And what did he say? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, the gates of hell expand and the gates of hell rule earth when the church refuses to rule. It's time we understand that. We're not here to rule one another. No, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. But we are here to put a stop to the work of the devil, to put a, a halt to the spirits of influence that try to take over the societies around us. We are the light. And the Bible says, wherever the light goes, the darkness has to flee. We are the salt of the earth. And the reason we're not light and the reason we're not salt is because we don't believe in the value that is in us. I am here to let you see the value. The image of God has been inscribed upon you. Another reason we're so valuable to God is because He loves you more than anything else He created. He paid the price a high price. He gave a paid a price like none other so that you and I could be redeemed. Hallelujah. And he says, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into their barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He said, look at this comparison. Are you not of more value than they? You are more valuable to the Father than the birds of the air. And look, He takes care of them. They don't reap or sow, but yet they are taken care of by Him. And you and I are so much more valuable than they. I'm telling you, the world will tell you today that animals are more important than you. There used to be commercials where you could give to feed children and clothe children and they would play Amazing Grace or something like that in the background. But today, those pictures are seemingly falling away and it's now pictures with Amazing Grace even playing of rescuing a puppy or rescuing a kitten. And oh, I hate to see animal abuse. I'm a farmer. I grew up on the farm. We loved our animals. We were hunters. We, we took care of our animals. They, they, they were fed well. They, they were housed well. But let me tell you what, an animal is not a human being. And the devil would want us to take care of an animal more than take care of a human being. The good thing about God is God took care, he takes care of the birds. It's not like he wants to neglect the animals. He doesn't want that. But he's telling us we have greater value. You and I have greater value. 
And uh, Jesus said in Luke 12, 6, he said, Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Here Jesus is trying to drive the point home that, yes, the animals God cares for, he created them, but he created you in his image. And not a hair falls from your head that he doesn't take account of. You are so valuable to God. He paid a great price for you. He purchased us not with the blood of bulls and goats, but he purchased us with the blood of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Amen. He was willing to come to this earth and live a sinless life and to suffer and die on a cruel cross, and, and to suffer the cruelest death known to man, the cross. And the reason he did was to pay our debt. See, we were in debt. We owed a debt we could not pay. He tells us in Romans that the wages of sin is death, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So every one of us was found guilty sinners. Every one of us owed our own lives in eternal separation from God. But Jesus intersected. Jesus came in, and He paid our debt. He paid a debt that He did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. We needed someone. We needed a Savior. We needed someone who loved us to intervene. And God said, you're so valuable, I'm willing to send my only begotten Son to get this debt paid, to get the curse off of you so that I can get the blessing on you. And that's what He says in Galatians 3 and 13. That He redeemed us from the curse by hanging on the cross because cursed is He who hangs on the tree to get the curse off of us so that the blessing could come on us. Oh, what a loving God. What a great God. You and I, we are so valuable to God. So don't dare question your value. Don't dare question whether He wants to heal you. Don't dare question whether He wants to bless you. Don't dare question whether He wants you anointed and whether He wants you saved or whether He wants you delivered. He says, do you not see the value I place on you? I've done it so you can be redeemed. I've done it so that the curse will come off of you. I've done it so that the blessing can come on you. I've done it so that your debt is paid in full. Your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought up again. It's not covered. It is done away with. It is annihilated by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. What an amazing God we serve. And why in the world do we think he would pay all of that to get the curse off of us and get the blessing on us and then stand back and say, you know what, I'm going to keep my blessings off of you. I'm going to hold back my anointing from you. I'm going to hold back my love from you. I'm going to hold back healing from you. I'm going to hold that back. Why do we ascribe that kind of activity and attitude to God? Do we not understand who we are? Do we not understand whose we are? Do we not understand what price he paid? By his stripes we are healed. He allowed them to whip him on the whipping post so that healing would be in our bank account. And now you think he wants to withhold healing from you? He took a crown of thorns upon his brow as he allowed them to beat him and mock him as a king. The very sign of the thorns and the thistles, a sign of poverty by the sweat of the brow is now by the blood of the brow redeeming us from the curse of poverty. And do you think God wants to hold uh, uh, your provision back so that you're starving to death? Why would we ascribe any of that to God? We do. 
Well, if God wanted me to have it, He'd give it to me. If God wanted me healed, He would heal me. If God wanted me blessed, He would bless me. Do you not see what He's already done for your healing? Do you not see what He's already done for your prosperity? Do you not see what He's already done for your forgiveness and for your redemption? He's done that. It's done in the atonement. Now, He says all we have to do is appropriate it by faith. Now, appropriating it by faith in this world until Satan is done away with is going to come with warfare. There is a real enemy. And the Bible is very, very vocal in letting us know we've got an enemy. The enemy of God is the enemy of God's children. And the enemy comes to, Jesus said it in John 10 and 10, what? He seeks but to kill, steal, and destroy. I heard someone just this week. I can't believe God killed that person. It was a young teenager that died. So I just can't believe God took him. I said, why would you say God took him? And they said, well, uh, I reckon because, I mean, he's dead. I'm like, Jesus said Satan comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. He fell asleep, ran into a tree, and his brains were splattered on the windshield of that car. And you said, God did that? That looks like the devil to me, right? But as long as we believe that God is this mean and this cruel God that is about to snuff out our breath and He's punishing us and He's starving us out and He's doing everything to hold us back, we've missed the whole gospel message. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus let them whip Him on the whipping post? Why did Jesus let them nail Him on a cross? Why did Jesus let them beat Him and bruise Him? Why did Jesus allow them to put a spear in His side? Why did Jesus allow them to nail Him feet and hands on that cross? If He wanted to just crush us and take us out, we don't see our value. God says, no, I put you here created you in my image. I've breathed my breath in you. I want to fill you with my spirit. I want to give you my word that when you speak my word, that those two-thirds of angels that stayed with me will be the bidding of the word. As you speak the word, they begin to work in the spirit realm for you, not against you. Yes, there is a third of the angels, demons that are working against you. And yes, there is Lucifer working against you. But Lucifer is not all-powerful as God is. Lucifer is not... Uh, omniscient, all-knowing, and he's not omnipresent. He's not all places at one time. Some people say, here's Lucifer and here's God and they're equal. Bah! Are you crazy? I mean, Lucifer was a created. He may have been an archangel, but he was created by God. There's no comparison to the power. That's why we can say, if God be for me, who can be against me? We don't have to be afraid of the devil. We give more reverence to the devil than we give to God. And we're scared of God because we feel like most of what the devil does is God doing it to us. Come on now. We've got to get this revelation of our value. Please hear me. How dare we impose on God that he wants to withhold from us when he has done everything. When we were yet sinners... He came in to rescue us. While we were yet cursing the name of Jesus, Jesus died on the cross for us. While we yet spit in His face, He was dying there to redeem us and to show us His great love. And when He walked on this earth, Jesus says, what you've seen me do, I'm just doing what I've heard the Father say do. What words I speak, I'm only speaking the words that I heard my Father. So we see the will of the Father manifest in the 
uh, three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, because Jesus said, you look at me, you see the Father. The two, the, the, we two of us are one, because what he says is what I say, and what he does is what I do. And the Bible shows us through Matthew's gospel. The Bible shows us through Mark's gospel. The Bible shows us through John's gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All the gospels show us that everyone that came to Jesus, He healed them all. That everyone that came to Jesus, He blessed them all. That everyone that came to Jesus, He delivered them all. Everyone that came to Jesus, you can't find it in one of the gospel messages where Jesus said, no, I'm going to leave you in the same condition you are in. It's not the right time or it's not your day. He never left them in a worse condition or the same condition. He always left them in a better condition. And the only place he was not able to do great and mighty miracles, the Bible says, was in his hometown. And he said it was because of their unbelief. But he still didn't give up on them. He traveled around teaching because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the Word began to teach them so that their faith could rise so that he could do miracles in and through that community. You look at the man Jesus tells us about that was robbed and beat up and the good Samaritan picked him up and put him on his donkey and took him to the inn and paid for his care and said, in two days I'll be back and I'll pay any extra expenses. It's not going to be on him, it's on me. Let me tell you what, Jesus, I believe, was giving us a picture of himself where he rescued us from the devil. I'm telling you, the devil beat us all up and left us in the ditch and left us there to die. But there was a good Samaritan that came from heaven our way. And religious folks may have not done it. Political folks may have not done it. Institutions of this world may not have done it. But the love of God did it. And he sent his only begotten son. And he came and picked us up out of the mire. Picked us up out of the pit. Picked us up out of the clay. That's what the Bible says. And you can see it that he put us on his own donkey. And he has put us in a church. And he has said, in two days I'll be back. If you know the scripture says that uh, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. So in two days he's coming back, two thousand years. I'm telling you the rapture might take place anytime because Jesus says if I go, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will return to receive you that you will be with me and my father forever. And Paul tells us in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be what? Caught up caught up to meet Jesus in the air and forever be with him. He's coming back, church. I'm telling you, he's coming back. Hallelujah. But until then, he's taking care of us. He's taking care of business. And he wants us to just operate in the authority and the love that he has given to us. Think about it. Think about it. You and I, that God loves so much that he has done this. I've heard people say, man, I can't wait going back. I'd like to go back to the good old days. Well, the good old days weren't such good old days for me because I, that, those good old days is what got me into ditch. Those good old days is what got me in bondage. Those good old days had me depressed. Those good old days had my body sick and I thought I was going to die. And the doctors thought I was going to die. And they said, we don't know what to do for you, sir. Uh, we can do some exploratory surgery, but we don't know what else to do because the tests don't tell us what's wrong and you're going through something that we 
can't identify. And I said, I'm in so much pain, I can't live this way. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ came to me when I cried out to Him and a healing power of God touched my body and raised me up. And I began to run and walk and live in a way that when I look back, you say, I'm going back to the good old days. Are you crazy? There wasn't nothing good about those old days. I'm telling you, my good days are ahead of me. I'm walking in prosperity. I'm walking in favor. I'm walking in His anointing. I'm walking in His love. I'm walking in His power. And I'm walking in His authority. He's invested His blood in me. He's invested His Holy Spirit in me. He has given me His word. He has given me His promises. He has given me His name. He has given me gifts. He has given me His Son. Let me tell you what. God has done the same for you. You've got to see your value so that you will rise up and say, wait a minute. For the years that I've been granted on this earth, I am to be a shining example of bringing glory and honor to my God and advancement of His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. He's invested so much in us so how do you know you're so valuable to God? Because you are made in God's image, because of the price that He paid for you, because of the investment that He has made in you. And what a great investment that is. And also because of the authority He has given us. Do so you hear what I'm saying? He has given you authority. He has given you authority. You're not the little ball in the ping pong machine, or what's that called? The pinball machine. You know, that poor little ball is like bang, bang, bang. It's like it doesn't know where it's going next, where something's going to knock it next. Some people feel like that's their life. And whatever the next thing they bump into, however hard it kicks, that's going to propel them where they go next. Let me tell you what, that is not a child of God. He has given you and me authority. He, is a play, he has given us the position and the place to have authority in the use of His name. Did you not know that you can come against even Satan himself? Now, I'm telling you, most of us never met the devil. You're like, the devil's messing with me. It's a demon. I would say Lucifer, he's only one. He can't be everywhere. So he's probably, most of his business is in the Middle East. Wouldn't you think? Where are some of the most strategic stuff that's going to affect the most of the world? That's probably where he spends his time. You and your little... You and your little acre you live on and your little puppy dog that you got and your little maybe lawnmower that you put around in the yard with, you know, that little, that, that's not the biggest concern to him. But he has, I don't know how many millions or trillions of demons or a third of those that are in heaven. They weren't numbered, so I don't know. But there are demons that come against us. Spirits, there are spiritual powers, darkness, wickedness in high places that come against us. That is real. That is real. But let me tell you what, he has given you authority to use his name. And at his name, you can rebuke everyone. If Lucifer himself were to leave Assad or leave Syria or leave uh, Israel or leave wherever Iran, Iran, wherever he's stationed, Afghanistan, if he was to come up to you face to face, the name of Jesus will put him on his knees. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says, God the Father gave his son Jesus a name. And at that name, every knee has to bow in heaven, on earth, and even under the earth. And every tongue has to confess that he is Lord. And he's given you authority in his name to use his name. So we can use the name of Jesus. They overcame him by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The blood he has given to us. The blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, when the devils or demons come against you, you say the blood of Jesus against you. Some people call it pleading the blood. 
And some people say, well, pleading the blood, am I begging in the blood? No, you're, you're pleading, you're declaring, you're putting the blood of Jesus and all that it accomplished against the work of the enemy. The blood of Jesus against you is what I tell every demon. The blood of Jesus against you. The blood of Jesus bought my healing. The blood of Jesus forgave me of my sin. The devil brings in condemnation to me. I say the blood of Jesus be against you. That is casting the sea of forgetfulness never to be mentioned or remembered by God again. And if God's not going to remember it, I dare you going to talk with your filthy tongue about it. The blood of Jesus be against you. He has given us the authority to speak His Word. And when we speak His Word, I've already shown you where angels are standing there, uh, uh, godly angels waiting to, to do the bidding of the Word of God, that when you speak the Word of God, they can take that Word of God in the spirit realm and use that Word of God as a weapon that it is against spiritual forces that are against you. He has given us authority to cast out demons. He has given us authority to preach the Gospel. And the Gospel will go forth and touch hardened hearts and they will melt and their hearts will be open and people will say I like the uh, Philip uh, uh, the, uh, in Philippi there uh, the Philippian jailer you know who was torturing Paul and when that gospel message came out what happened he's on his knees and he said what can I do to be saved me and my family and I'm telling you the hardest of hearts can be melted preaching the gospel sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ he has given us the authority to love one another. He has given us the authority to forgive one another. He has given us the authority to release others, and we need to do just that. Hallelujah. How, why are you so valuable? Because you are made in God's image. Because of the price that He's paid for you. Because of the investment that He has made in you. And because of the authority that He has given you. And because of the purpose for which He has made you. For the purpose that He has made you. Beloved, stop trying to have great faith and start having faith in a great God. Amen. Stop trying to have great confidence and start having confidence in a great God. Stop trying to have great trust. Oh, if I could just have more trust, trust, and start trusting in a great God. Let it be rooted in Him. Can you guys put that fifth one up there? Because He tells us, that there's a purpose for which He has made you and that which He has made me. And let me tell you what, when you realize the value of something, you start taking better care of it. That Antiques Roadshow recently, this gentleman, he had this pretty ugly picture and he says, uh, when my uh, grandfather passed away, uh, no one in the family wanted it, so my father took it and put it in the basement. And then when my father's recently passed away, none of the siblings wanted it as we were cleaning out his basement. So I said, yeah, just because it was dad's, I'll take it and I'll put it in my basement. And he says, it's pretty much been basement kept its whole life. And when then the guy, uh, appraiser, told them the value of it and how uh, you know, it's, it's being deteriorated in that basement and that dampness and so forth, the guy says, this thing's moving up to the main room or the main floor of the house and we're going to invest some money and get this thing cleaned up and preserved. We never knew it had this value. 
We never knew by looking on the surface the value. He says it's not going back in the basement. I pray after tonight that you will see what God is saying about you. The devil has been lying. He's been saying you're worthless. He's been saying you're powerless. He's been saying you're unloved and unlovable. And you've been living in the basement. You've been living by the backseat. You've been living uh, insecure. You've been living uh, letting the devil just get by with whatever he gets by, wants to get by with. But I want you to see your value tonight. And if you understand understand the value of that which you are, I believe you'll start taking better care of it. You'll start taking better care of your body. You'll start taking better care of your mind. You'll start taking better care of what you allow comes in through your ear gates and through your eye gates and through your mouth and through your nose. You'll start protecting this body because you'll see the value of this body. Don't wait. Don't wait until you're in a hospital bed and you're aging out and, and, and with sickness and disease and, and, and then you say, oh, I wish, oh, I wish I would have taken better care of myself because I'm going to be exiting years early than I should. Let me tell you what. I need you to see tonight how valuable you are. You're made in God's image because he's paid a price for you by giving his only son. He's invested in you, his anointing. He's given you the investment to use his name. He's given you a signature and an empty checkbook, basically. And he says, you can sign my name. You can, here's a blank check for life. You can sign my name. I've given you the authority uh, to operate in all of these areas because I have a purpose that I've created you for. And that is to have a love relationship with me. God wants to have a love relationship with you. And then he wants to love the world through you. He wants to love your family through you. He wants kindness flowing from heaven through you to the people around you. He wants joy flowing from heaven through you to the people around you. He wants peace flowing from heaven through you to the people around you. He wants power flowing from heaven through you to the people around you. And he says that if we will stand in his name and that we will live in his word and we will operate by his spirit, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No weapon is going to prosper because if God is for us, who can be against us? You are so valuable. Would you stand with me, please? Father God, we just stand in your presence tonight. And I know that a sermon like this is only a small beginning in helping us understand just how much you love us and just how much you value us and just how much you desire to do in and through us. Lord, I pray that the, the scales would be removed from our eyes. And Lord God, any hindrance of hearing would be removed from our ears so that our spirit man might see and hear the truth of your word tonight. And we would realize just how valuable we are to you. And you have a purpose for us. When we leave this building tonight... If we've got 10 years, if we've got 20 years, or if we've got 20 minutes to live, you've got purpose that you won't live through us. And I pray under the sound of my voice, every person would so love you in return and so honor you in return and so appreciate what you have done for us that we would make a dedication right now, a covenant with you. Lord God, from this day forward, I will give you the rest of my years. I will give you the rest of my days. I, I want to live for you. 
I want to honor you. I want to bring glory to your name. I want you to use me however you deem you're necessary. But Lord, I want you to use me to bring forth your heavenly work and your heavenly message, Lord God. You taught me to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord God, let heaven flow through me. Let it first flow in me. And Lord God, I'll be faithful to let it flow through me. Your love, your power, your joy, your peace, your forgiveness, your healing, your everything flow through me to everyone I meet. Lord God, let my countenance be the countenance of heaven that they could say I truly had been in the presence of the Lord because I as your son or daughter, whichever the case may be, Lord God, I've represented you here on earth. So I pray, God, that you forgive me. Just ask him, God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord God, of everything, every fault, every, every hindrance, every uh, negative thing in my life that is hindering me from, from serving you and seeing you and you flowing through me. I just pray you would clean me up, Lord. You would just, you would just sanitize me by your blood right now that you can make me sanctified and whole to be used by you. And Jesus, come, forgive me. Jesus, come, be seated on my throne. Invite him. Just say, Jesus, I want you to be King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender my all to you. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Oh, we need, we need you, Holy Spirit. We need you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can now have the power of heaven flowing through me on earth. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me, you would flow through me, that you would bless people around me. Lord God, for me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. So as long as I have breath in my body, I want your anointing, God, to be flowing through me by your Spirit. I am yours. Tell him now, God, I am yours. I am yours, and you are mine. And I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. Would you tell him that right now, God? I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. Jesus, Jesus. Just say, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. Hallelujah. For me to live is Christ. I'm going to live for you. And God, I pray that you would bless each and every one as we now go into this night. The remainder of this week, and I pray, Holy Spirit, Spirit, you would seal upon our minds this truth that uh, the value that we have in your sight so that the enemy can't steal that thought from us and that revelation from us that we can operate in it. To you be the glory, to you be the honor, and to you be the praise, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. How about reach out to somebody and bless them. Let the blessing of heaven flow.